Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I don't remember all of it because the stroke I had messed me up. I remember being at my friend's house and I had a headache. I went by ambulance. They told me that it was a brain tumor, even though it wasn't a brain tumor. My friend drove me to the hospital and they didn't want to listen. My dad knew I was having a stroke because he had a stroke and I was fashion all around. And then when I woke up, I fought where my kids, it was about a month later. And I didn't realize that I had a shaved head. Unfortunately, she didn't know where her kids were, but they decided and we decided not to tell her because they were afraid that would cause her to have another stroke. Unfortunately, CYS got involved because of her medical condition, nothing else. Her dad and I and her her family didn't have room for the kids, so she didn't know, and they finally told her where the kids were. They were with foster families, unfortunately. It may seem like it's dark right now, and then all of a sudden it will come to light, get better, things will get better. My Instagram page has a bunch of my fellow stroke people. I talk to them too. It does help a lot. It lets me know that there are others like me. When I'm feeling down, I go there and and I talk and it just really helps. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. A common factor in stroke sufferers is high blood pressure. It damages blood vessels, it makes them stiffer and narrower, which increases the chance of a blood clot forming and travelling to the brain. High blood pressure can also increase the likelihood of a burst aneurysm, which can lead to a fatal hemorrhagic stroke. In this episode, you'll hear from Stephanie Gomez and her mum, Bernadette, from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Stephanie suffered a stroke in 2018, at the age of 34. I had six kids and I was in an abusive relationship and he like ruined my house and I moved to Northumberland. I don't remember all of it because the stroke I had messed me up. I remember being at my friend's house and I had a headache. I went by ambulance. They told me that It was a brain tumor, even though it wasn't a brain tumor. And they misread it. They sent me home. And the next day I saw a headache. And then I was over talking to my friends again. We lived in a twin house together. 
I went up to go to bathroom and I fell. And then the last thing I remember was when my friend drove me to the hospital and they didn't want to listen. My dad knew I was having a stroke because he had a stroke and I was fashion all around. And then when I woke up, I fought where my kids, it was about a month later, and I didn't realize that I had a shaved head. They gave me a cranial tummy because my brain was swollen. They told me I had three strokes. She was in the hospital for a couple weeks, and then they transferred her to a rehab center right behind the hospital. So for about two months. As a result of her stroke, the Child and Youth Services, CYS, decided Stephanie's children should be relocated. Unfortunately, she didn't know where her kids were, but they decided and we decided not to tell her because they were afraid that would cause her to have another stroke. Unfortunately, CYS got involved because of her medical condition, nothing else. Her dad and I and her her family didn't have room for the kids. So she didn't know, and they finally told her where the kids were. They were with foster families, unfortunately. At the time, we were three hours away, and I worked full-time. And as she explained, her dad had had a stroke back in 2013. So the days I didn't have to work, and on the weekends, we would drive up to see her. She was in the hospital, and then she was in rehab. So as much as we could, we would drive up and see her. I had to do speech therapy and rehab and occupational therapy. All three of them, yes. Stephanie suffered from multiple catastrophic strokes. We believe in the beginning, the first one, it was a bleed on her brain. When they said it was a brain tumor and sent her back home. And what we found out recently, because we talked to lawyers, professionals, and what we didn't know until recently was they said that the doctor... When she was in the hospital and had the second stroke, we were at her place with the kids and her neighbors had went over to see her her friends. They said she could eat and she was talking. When we went over, as she said, they had her, I believe, left arm tied to the bed thing, the railing, because she was thrashing around. And like I would touch her hand, call her name, touch her face, and her eyes would be like her eyes were closed, but darting back and forth. And my husband said she was having a stroke, and they finally took her down and said she did have a stroke then. Recently, we found out through the paperwork from the lawyer that the neurologist went in a second time, I guess, thinking he was going to help her out. He went in to clear out plaque, and apparently the plaque got loose and caused the third stroke because she was able to talk and eat. And then when she had the third one, she almost died. I mean, they said her brain was swelling. It's supposed to be 20%. They said hers was 60, so I had to give authorization for them to go in and do that. And she almost died. And she had to go through rehab, like we said, and learn to walk again, do some talking. But they said she has all her cognitive. She has trouble speaking sometimes when she gets nervous. But cognitively, she can do her own finances, stuff like that. But she can't use the whole right side of her body. 
And again, the lawyer believes it was caused by the doctor going in trying to remove more of a clot. Not only has Stephanie suffered physically as a result of her stroke, it's also come at great personal cost. I didn't live here and I got evicted from my apartment because I wasn't paying the bills because I was in the hospital and I lost everything. So I had to come home to my parents' house and it was hard because I was used to being a mom and taking care of my kids. CYS, they're basically saying because of her disability, she can't have the kids. Where we live, in order to get housing that she can afford, there's like a three-year waiting list, four-year waiting list. If she went back to the Poconos where she originally had her and the kids after she left the abusive husband, she wouldn't have a support system. So it's like you're caught in the middle. So down here, it takes three or four years to get on the list and get housing. And because she doesn't have housing for the children, CYS put them in foster care and basically decided they didn't want to give them back because she can't use her right arm, right leg, can't take care of them. And they're in age from 16 to 5. We, we never really dealt with them. When people abuse the children, you read about them. They're coming in and they're supposed to take care of the children and find good places for them. But this had nothing to do with abuse or anything. It was all medical. They're using her disability, we feel, as saying, well, okay, well, you take, can't take care of them. They wanted me to get Botox in my arm and my legs. I think what they told us was it would help with the Specificity. Yes, because her hand stands like in a fist and you know if she has to use it she has to take her, her other arm and pull it up so they thought with the botox that might help but she wasn't really thrilled about the idea of getting botox stephanie has been through an incredibly difficult period in her life and her strokes gave her another huge challenge to contend with still to come on stroke stories Bernadette on the effect of Stephanie's strokes on the family. I'm not working right now, so I help take care of her, but you know, it put a financial strain on us and a lot of emotional on her and us because we would try to make her, you know, her, her biggest thing is her children. She loves her children, she wants her children back. And it's devastating because of an illness that she had no control over, that her whole life changed. And Stephanie talks about the positive impact of social media. My Instagram page has a bunch of my fellow stroke people. I talk to them too. It does help a lot. It lets me know that there are others like me. When I'm feeling down, I go there and, and I talk and it just really helps. Let's hear what Stephanie and Bernadette believe caused her stroke. She did have high blood pressure. Unfortunately, our family, my husband and I both had high blood pressure. Both my you know, grandparents did. So we think it was that. But again, uh, we think some of it was unfortunately her situation because he, he abused her for a while. And you know how things like that go. You try to get away, but there's so many things. And she finally got the courage to take her and the kids and we wanted her around here but she couldn't afford around where we live so she went back up away from him though she just 
unfortunately didn't have a good landlord. He wasn't very nice to her, and I think it was just, you know, a combination of family history, having high blood pressure, and she was under a lot of stress, too. And when I felt the first time, I had a cardioid a dissection. Right, you have a stent in there. Yeah, with a, and they had to do a stent because I ripped my cardioid artery. I walked around for, uh, what was it, two days. You just had bad headaches. Yeah, I just had bad headaches. Stephanie's stroke has also had a catastrophic effect on her family. It's had a lot of impact for us because it kind of devastated our family. In a sense, it kind of brought us, you know, more together because we try to help her. She's with us right now. She does want to get her in place. I'm not working right now. So I helped take care of her, but, you know, it put a financial strain on us and a lot of emotional on her and us because we would try to make her, you know, her, her biggest thing is her children. She loves her children. She wants her children back. And it's devastating because of an illness that she had no control over, that her whole life changed. And we do see the kids. I mean, we have good relationship with the foster parents. You know, my husband and I don't financially have needs to get a bigger place where we can have all the kids. And we can see it in Stephanie's face every day. She talks to them, but talking and taking care of them aren't the same. So it's just affected everybody emotionally and physically because she used to do laundry, she used to cook, she used to clean, and now she really cannot do any of that. She tries, but she can't. But the biggest impact was the children. And when you tell people this story, they kind of look at you, they don't believe it, but she got out from an abusive relationship, which we think was part of it, because she used to hit her in the head, unfortunately, and got on her own and started to establish herself and the kids. And then this happened and it like crashed her whole world. And Stephanie believes she's no longer the same Stephanie. I think I'm different. I got to think about what I'm going to say. I used to be more outgoing and now I just kind of hide out because I feel kind of... People are looking at you. Yeah, they're all looking at me. and want, Yeah, I'm just working on getting my... The quad king, you, quad king, you want to try to get it mobilized. Yeah. Right. She uses a quad cane right now and kind of the leg that she can't use kind of goes off to the side. And she's trying to look into at some point getting a scooter that would make her more mobile and, that, and more able to get around and get out and meet people and friends and stuff like that. And hopefully get her kids back at some point. Yeah. But for Stephanie and Bernadette, there's always something positive on the way. It just sometimes takes time. It may seem like it's dark right now, and then all of a sudden it will come to light, get better, things will get better. My Instagram page has a bunch of my fellow stroke people. I talk to them too. It does help a lot. It lets me know that there are others like me when i'm feeling down i go there and and i talk and it just really helps well i just think like stephanie said there's a lot of dark moments i can't imagine what people that have strokes go through 
you know, and Stephanie's young, and I would say anybody that's young or old, but especially the younger ones, not to give up because the people have proven there is life after strokes. She has been looking around to join a group because I think people that have had them, there's a misconception out there, like you said, and I think people that have had strokes are more apt to know how to talk to somebody. Like sometimes I don't feel like I can, I, I talk to Stephanie, but I never had a stroke, so I don't know what she's going through, but somebody that has can talk to her and she can talk to them because they've been through the same thing. I think the basic thing is like Stephanie said, don't give up hope because wherever there's a dark spot, there's always light and there's always somebody willing to help you. You just gotta find that person or those people and it takes time. Stephanie's strength and resolve is remarkable. She has the full support of her close family and is determined to once again be able to look after her children. Coming up on the next episode of Stroke Stories. It was a Sunday morning at 3 a.m. and I was supposed to be picking somebody up in a taxi down on the quayside. And there's another taxi driver there and I was just starting to talk to him. And I was stood by his door and I just felt, I'm gonna pass out here. I'm gonna, like, knew I was gonna go down on my knees, which I literally did. And after that, it's like, well, he couldn't get out of the car. <laughs> I was blocking him. He sort of rang for help and everything else. Next, I remembered, was literally sitting propped at the back of the car. Please don't forget to rate and comment and subscribe because that will help us spread the word. And if you are or know of a stroke survivor and have a story to share, please do contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.